Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me on the show today, Debbie G and Neo Positivity. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Yeah, three becomes four today because my own lovely wife Louise is sitting in once again. And I know you guys loved the last visit, so I figured if you loved the last one, you're going to love the next one. Oh, jeez. Right? <laughs> Set the bar high for me. Thanks a lot. Well, plus also, uh, I mean, Debbie, you had indicated that you wanted to have Louise on your podcast, so I figured the best way to get that going is bring her back here again and do a little communication and do the thing, right? So, how you doing? I, I got I love that. And Louise, I'm so glad you're back. And hello, Walt. Hey, Neo. I'm doing great. I am doing fabuloso. Um, we did hear some news, though, just a little bit ago. And yes, I, I just, I oh, it. you did too. Yeah. yeah. Big, big, big love to Bob Proctor's family and his loving friends. Thir- 1935 to 2022, Bob Proctor, mm-hmm. one of the biggest, biggest teachers that we've ever had uh has left his earthly being. So if you're watching right now, send some love out to uh the Mr. Positivity himself. Nice. Well, that's who he was. He was the original, no doubt about that. And for those who aren't quite sure who Bob Proctor is, if you've seen The Secret, he was the first guest you saw in The Secret. He was the one who yeah. explained what The Secret was. And he was the fuel behind it as well. You know? He was In many ways he was, yeah. That's true. I want everybody Throw that out. Hashtag Bob Proctor. There you go. Because I know the internet is flooded with that right now. Support. I didn't know that at all. Wow. No, that, that was within the last hour or so that I heard that one. I'm not oh, sure well, if you heard it. Too. Yeah. yeah uh, right about that. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think it just sort of started flooding all of Facebook and whatnot. But you know, um, I think that does that make us think. I make me think. It makes me think. You know, the theme has been playing small. Are you playing small? And I keep getting this vibe up. Time to vibe up. And I think Bob Proctor could be all about vibing up and, and giving us tools for playing small. So that's what's been, um, that's what's been up in my face, like literally, uh, the last few days. What about you guys? I can appreciate that. Yeah. In fact, well, I've been dealing with the whole being small routine for the last few weeks and how uncomfortable it is to climb out of that one. I mean, you have to actually be willing to climb out of that place. It, it, well, playing small is, is a familiar zone. It's a comfort zone, right? Totally. When you're in that comfort yeah. zone, it's, it's, it's so easy to stay there. But you don't grow. So I've been doing the painful growing. I <laughs> <laughs> love you. No, I know about you, Debbie, but I know from what my perspective with women is we are taught to physically be small. You know, to make ourselves small in almost every situation, to not have a voice or not much of a voice, um, not to have a strident, uh, powerful voice. And it took a lot of years for me to even find my voice. And now you can't shut me up. <laughs> I used to tell Walt, if he told my friends, my girlfriends from high school, the way I was, you know, how I behaved, they wouldn't believe it because they don't, they're getting to know me that way. But that was not how I was in school at all. I love that. Isn't that, is, I, you know what, Louise, I resonate with that really, really well. I was told I, I talk too much, I'm too much, I'm too, my energy's too big. 
you know, that's that playing small. So we kind of shrink. I would shrink. And, and yeah. if I put my frame, trying that's to all shrink. a compliment. That's all I'm telling you, when which, it comes to you, that's all a compliment. Well, okay. And I love that, but you're right. But it took me a while to switch that perspective to see that those were my, the very things that people told me to tone down were my attributes. Mm-hmm. That was it did, it, All right. So tell me, Luis, what attributes, and I'd love to hear Walt's and Neo's too, your attributes that you, oh. that you got from the, from the negative input. How did you switch? How did you find your attributes in that? And I want you all to think about this too, who are listening and who are watching. What things were you told to take, to play small with that you realize later, oh my God, these are my attributes. Or you're having an aha moment right now and realizing this is your attribute. My, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go first. <laughs> That's it right there. That's that kitty kitty. Okay. I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta jump in. I was raised and repeatedly told not to want to be first or be the best or be great at all. Mm, Your job, retire 65, you on one vacation a year, and that's success. That is what, that is the, that is what you want out of life. Mm -hmm. And anytime, anytime I tried to shoot further, it was stop, stop. And, 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 and I think it was because it came from a place of, like you're just gonna get let down. How many people do we know that have made it to here, to there, to that level of money or situation? And so getting over that is something I'm still uh, working on now. Um, but it actually segues great because I was gonna say something, touch on something you said earlier. Well, <clears throat> you said it's uncomfortable to climb out. That is so profound because I'm learning recently in the past two months that the exact point where I start to feel like I'm out of my comfort zone, that is when the neometer starts to go up. And then as soon as I get comfortable again, comfortable again, sitting in the house chilling, it just stays still. And I and I, since I'm a comfort person and I've manifested a life where I could literally not do anything, but I would be stagnant. And so it's, I'm learning to get out of my comfort zone, and the pro, the progression is just amazing what I'm seeing. And it's just like you said, it's uncomfortable to climb out. And, uh, but that's what you need. 100% is what you need. Yeah. For me, I think it was, don't rock the boat. Um, fit the mold. Don't do anything different. And I, I pushed against that. Probably starting college by where I wanted to go to school. And how I applied to schools. And then the big time was starting my own business. And I didn't do that until after my dad died. And I don't think I was ready, but I know I probably would not have dared to do it if he was still alive because he would have been, what if, what if, what if? You can't do that. You can't do that. And... I did it. <laughs> and we've had the business. This is going to be our 15th season. Mm-hmm. We're starting our 15th season in April. Nice. And I, I'm loving all this. And for everybody who's just now joining us, we are talking about our the things that were we, we would take in as a negative and we were told to play small. 
those belief systems, how did you turn around, turn them around, and do you see now that they are your attribute? I love I, I, the ways you started a business. I mean, that's like, and and that I understand what you're saying, like the what ifs, and the, that's amazing. So you turned those what if, what if I did expand? <laughs> she followed her gut. Well, there, was, and, there was something in her screaming that's not for her, and she followed her. <laughs> well, the thing was, it wasn't something I had ever thought about. It was literally sitting my butt in the, gra- in the dirt in my garden after I had retired from being a psychotherapist and wondered if anybody would pay me. So it was tools in the trunk of my car and add in a local newspaper and, you know, $200 in my bank account and off I went. So, you know, and built from there, started small and built. Um, but I never saw myself as a business owner um, with people working for me. <laughs> I was always going to work for somebody else. Nine to five, you know, 50, 50 weeks a year. That's inspirational it, right there. We'll be right back after this message from the sponsor of today's program. You're listening to the Daily Climb Podcast, where we explore personal growth, mindset, and productivity strategies to help you pursue your passions. My name is Arielle, and I'm so passionate about helping young adults actually feel excited to wake up in the morning and to create the life of their dreams. So I want you to make sure that you tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for tips and inspiration so that you can climb. I can't wait to see how you grow. You can do it. Yeah. And, and for anybody it. that's listening, what is it that you have not been doing? What, how are you not, how are you not showing up? Uh, the neo, but I, I, neo, neo meter, the neo meter. Yeah, right. I'm on the neo meter. <laughs> I'm still stuck on that. His neo meter, his neo meter was off. I mean, I'm, I'm going to do a Debbie G meter now because I am. Right? I just, yeah, yeah. Told, oh my God, radio. Totally. Every, it's like this. Every second in life, you're either going up, down, or, but, so you've been coming, to, you're, you've been all these years up to this point, And it's like, it's like you're filling the cup up more as far as progression, just as far as progression, that meter is raising the second you're out of your comfort zone. It kind of seems like that. It's a new concept to me. I established everything comfortable, retired, I don't cook, I don't clean, I don't really drive that much. And then I realized I was, I guess I was going the wrong way. Although it was fun, um, I need to take myself out of that comfort zone more often. I love that. So, well, I, I have, I posted the other day, the power and courage versus conformity. And that's what it takes. It takes power and it takes courage. Ideally, it takes support, which I had. Um, but, you know, you can do, you can find people to be supportive or, you know, if you have to, you can go it alone. It does help if you have people um, to encourage. Deb, you just said something that made me think. I mean, <laughs> you made courage. Courage is equal to like blind faith. I never put it together like that. Courage is blind faith that it's going to work yeah. out. Well, I've also heard it. You know, people say, oh, you're a hero or you are courageous. It's feeling the fear, but doing it anyway, not letting the fear stop you. 
That's my faith right there. Bang. Yeah. Now line wow. up, you know, you know how they say that if it's nighttime you could drive from New Jersey to California seeing just forty feet in front of you. Yeah. You know, because of your headlights. When it comes to a car barreling down a ton of weight, barreling down a road at eighty miles an hour, we're just okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to everything else, uh, you know, like having faith in the law of attraction and positivity and the two hundred dollars that you had when you just left, like me just uprooting to Tampa when it comes to having that faith it's like ah and when you think about it anytime we question whether it's going to work out that's lack of faith right there right there mm-hmm. and I like the fact that you don't have to know how it's going to work out you don't have to know all of that and that's what my father would have been a stickler about how you're going to make this work. How's it going to, how, how, how you figure that out as you go along. And sometimes as we probably have all experienced, you couldn't have even imagined the how the universe moved things or put people in your path or an event that sort of, I say it sort of clicked and things moved forward. You can't plan for those. You just have to stay open to them. I love this. So, Karen Palmer and I have been doing this for a long time. Ready? Get, let go of the how. Get ready for the wow. Easy peasy. <laughs> easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. There you go. It, let go of the how. Get ready for the wow. But I, love I like that. that. I like that. Well, I say, well, fasten your seatbelt. Because <laughs> something's going to happen. It, it, that is it right there. You just know that you know that you know. And I was just saying this to Joe the other day. I'm like, Joe, it's just basically same thing. Fasten your seatbelts. And I know that this is, I know that this is John Fiore. That is actually a wonderful storm system said with love. You're damn right. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much I, what it was. Yeah. I love that. But really what I'm loving is the idea that is that this conversation is helping us to think differently. So, Walt, we didn't hear what you turned around, what your, uh, what your stuff was. What I, and I'd love to know. Mine was a long-term turnaround because literally you talk about playing small. Yeah. I I mean, you're a, a woman who's on the tall side. I'm very much of a tall man. And I wasn't tall all through school, but I was certainly taller than most. Mm -hmm. I didn't get really tall until my senior year of high school. But nevertheless, I was always taller than most. And there is a, particularly in public schools, there are all the different pressures that we experience to conform. And one of the forms of conformance that are expected, which you can't possibly match, is to be the same size as everybody else. (laughs) So if you're too short or too tall, you don't fit in. Oh, right. Totally. Completely. Which, which which means that from that point on, which is basically ground zero, you have to do everything you can to play yourself small if you're big or big if you're small. <laughs> just to fit in. Just to hair, be accepted. Yeah. If my hair's straight, you got to want it curly, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> if you're tall, you want to be short. If you're short, you want to be tall. And even have you ever and, and have you ever had this like somebody comes up to you and goes, 
oh, I wish I was tall like that. And it's like, yeah, you can get in places that don't hurt my knee, that would hurt my knees. <laughs> right. Okay, just to say it. The well, best way I, I found to, to actually express how I felt about it was somebody would say, uh, can I have some of your height? I'd say, sure. You got a good surgeon? I mean, seriously, I'll give it to you. Six inches, it's yours. <laughs> yeah, well, that story is crazy. I, I, every, I think back to high school, and everyone I saw that was tall, I was just like, I would give anything to be that height. Like, every single time I saw them, I'm like, damn, I wish I was that tall. So to hear uh, you come at it from a different perspective, I'm just I'm thrown out. I'm like, still trying to process Well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw more into it, because after I reached adult age, and I was in the early stages of failed dating because I never had successful dating until I met her. Um, so it was like, you know, a lot of years. Um, but when I was in the early stages of failed dating, the, the big way that you met people in those days, if you, if you met them in school, that was one way, you know, the bar scene, that kind of thing. But if you'd kind of grown past that and you hadn't met somebody yet, the only thing that was left was classified ads in newspapers. That was the only option. There was nothing else. And so that's what you would check into. And inevitably, any time that I saw a classified ad section, and it would would be a singles classified action. It wouldn't be like built in with, you know, the home improvement section. It would would be its own thing, you know, like a publication. And inevitably, the, the females who are looking for the males would say they were looking for a tall man. But what they meant was a guy who was six to six foot two. Right. They did not mean a guy who was six foot eight. So oh, are you six eight? I'm six eight. Yeah. Holy! I've never seen you other than sitting there. Of course, I, I saw you were my height <laughs> on the video, right? <laughs> I really thought you were my height. Wow. All right. But 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 they but they weren't looking for my height. You know, so they 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 asked for tall, and they got me like, oh yeah, this isn't going to work. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel, I feel yeah. My son is six seven. I have six seven, six four. Okay, so he knows. I'm five ten. Oh yeah, totally. Well, actually, even just watching them grow up, I felt for them. My granddaughter. My granddaughter is eight years old, and I kid you not, she's she's got to be five. I don't know how tall she is. Five feet, at least. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. but I remember being the tallest in class. I, okay, so. We all understand that, like, this is, we are all different. And this is really, a, I think this is more of a conversation truly about accepting ourselves. And yes. if you're accepting yourselves by not, by not conforming, by being in your power, being in your truth, I think it looks a lot different. And I think that's how we were able, that's how I was able to turn around my, the talk, to, you talk too much all the way from, we're talking like, I'll tell you a story. When I was little, I used to get busted by the teachers all the time and said, I talk too much. And I'm like, my mom said, you talk, you know, you get into trouble because you talk too much, but you're doing great in class. Well, <laughs> yeah. So this was a story. You guys, mm-hmm. this was my story. She talks too much. And even one of my exes, you know, can, can you just, do you ever shut up? No, I really don't. <laughs> but that wasn't really what he, what really was happening is I was talking a lot without saying much. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's because I I was in the victim syndrome of I talk too much, I'm not good enough kind of thing. When it flipped and I realized that this was one of my gifts is my ability of speech and to talk and communicate, I I also learned how to do it, well, more effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and so I I shifted that. But that very thing, being tall. You know, one of the one of the beauties of being tall for me 
is walking into a room with heels on and owning that shit like it's nobody's business. Of course, I could be five foot one and I'd still walk in. My energy, (laughs) you know, but I learned to use what I have and recognize the beauty in every every aspect of me. So, again, back to acceptance. What what have you guys been discovering about the beauty of yourself? Because because that was more than acceptance. You turned it into a superpower. Oh, boom, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, this wasn't just accepting that you were a tall woman. It's like, yeah, I'm tall. Deal with it. (laughs) Oh, you better believe it. When I realized, when I realized. Confidence. Totally. But that didn't come for a long, long time. I was in my 40s. I just turned 54. So I was in my 40s before I felt that. Yeah. Now, now I really, I know it, you know, I know mm-hmm. it. it even looks different today than it did when I was in my forties. The confidence I feel inside is the knowingness I have about myself. I don't question who I am. I, I, and, and my willingness to show up and just want to know more. Want to know more. That's I want to know more. Power. That is a superpower. Yeah. Staying open to learning more and growing. The second you cut yourself off to new information is the second you started losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I got to I got to just say something with you guys. Sam, Sam, hey Sam, how's it going? He says, "Well, I'm six seven. I rarely <laughs> meet anyone taller than me." <laughs> I had to tell you, he really is six seven because I met him and I looked at him and I'm like, "Oh, you're my son's height. You're six seven. He's like, "Yeah." You guys are, I love all, I love it all. I just think it's great. Sam, Sam, you're going to love this story. You guys, I'm not sure, Debbie, you may know about this. Sam may know about this. There's a club for tall people called Tall Club of America, and they have chapters all over the place. Um, I remember going for the first time to the chapter in my area in Connecticut, and one of the things that they do at all tall club meetings, because there are height requirements, I mean, that's part of the whole point is that it's for tall people. So men have to be at least 6'2", women have to be at least 5'10". So they measure to make sure, and, and everybody gets measured regardless of their height. They measure to make sure you're qualified to be there as part of the club. And I, I went in there and I'm thinking, is there going to be anybody taller than me? I'll bet you there's nobody taller than me. I'll bet you I'm still the tallest person in the room. So they measured everybody and there were three of us who were six foot eight. So they had to break it down to eighths of an inch. And I was one eighth of an inch taller than everybody else in the room. <laughs> Now that's good manifest. Seriously, you're right. He manifested that, but well, knew with confidence. So the only time I've ever had the experience of actually standing next to somebody who was significantly taller than me was back when I was still in college. I was doing an internship. My major was political science. My internship was with the um, New York State Education Committee, associated with the New York State Assembly. Uh, the I was working in the office of the chairman of that committee. And on one of my, at the end of one of my days, I was walking home. I, I was in, within walking distance of the office. And there was this little place you walked through in um, the office complex that had like a little museum, like a little two-room museum with paintings and so forth. And the paintings would change. And this one time I go through there and there's this guy who, I swear, he must have been seven foot looking at one of the paintings. Now, I, I wasn't going to look at the paintings. But I wanted her to stand next to him to look at the paintings just so that I could experience what it's like <laughs> to look up to somebody who's four inches taller than me. Wow. You know what? He was looking at you saying, damn, I'm still the tallest man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I was saying, I've been there. I know how you feel. <laughs> oh, this is great. So accepting yourself, you know, I mean, come on. 
I kind of wish we didn't go I down this. I kind of wish I didn't know you were that tall because I know we're going to see each other one day. And, I, and <laughs> it would have just been. <laughs> the shock would have been. It probably would have killed you. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't tell me how tall he was before I met him. I told him I dated somebody. He said he was tall. And I said, well, I dated somebody who was tall. I said, well, how tall? And I said, six foot four. And I can't remember how you put it. But I walked into the restaurant. I was like, oh, shit. And went home and called my girlfriend and said, this isn't going to work. He's so tall. You know, how are we going to dance together? I couldn't. I'd have to stand on something to kiss him. We figured it out. <laughs> but, okay, so, no, wait a minute. How tall are you? I'm five foot six. Oh, you, oh, that's adorable. I'm 14 inches. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. God, that's cool as heck. Are you guys loving this or what? Oh my gosh, how adorable is that? Debbie, because you're here, I'll tell you. You know how there's that place in a man's chest? Like right here? My head fits right there when I stand next to him. That's so awesome. I love that. Yes, I do. <laughs> We're oh, talking about our, you know, what are our strength, our differences that we were hindrances maybe before. I think of all the famous people who didn't fit the mold and took the risk to be themselves. What's Branson's first name? Richard. Richard Branson. Yeah. Um, Bill Gates. Um, I mean, you just name it, invent, you know, created people. Um, I'll give you, here's a, I hate to say it like this, but ugly actors. Every ugly actor said, you know what? I'm going for it anyway. Yeah. Yo, that's, it's a beautiful thing. Well, actually, every successful actor ultimately said that at some point. Yeah, but the really, but Brad Pitt. The ones that didn't fit the mold. Brad didn't struggle that much with the decision. This this is true. Well, Debbie Allen, the dancer. Samuel L. Jackson had to think about it for 44 years. (laughs) You know know who Debbie Allen is, the dancer? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you don't. She was in the movie Fame or the TV show. But she's short. Um, who else is there? I'm not thinking of names, but short women who wanted to be dancers and were told you'll never be successful and were. She was one of them. Um, dancer, choreographer, movie director. Um, well, I can think of one who was told that she wouldn't be good enough as a dancer. Her name was Madonna. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got Joe Pesci. Okay, you know what? We're I... going off height. Okay, right? uh, y- y'all, we're all talking about whether or not somebody is good enough. Who in that? Who in the heck is supposed to determine who is good enough of what, doing something and who isn't? I was just, I, I recently had this conversation about whether or not somebody else felt somebody was good enough to do something. And I'm like, well, here's, here's the only thing I have to say about this is this. There's been a lot of people in this world. Oprah was told she sucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Period. Yeah. She was told she was absolutely awful. And I'm going to tell you that if you have a passion inside of you that is burning, that says, this is what I'm supposed to do. If somebody else is coming against you, what I thought of was this. Isn't that the universe saying, are you going to play small or are you going to do it? 
you're going to listen and let that false evidence appearing real tell you that that's you can't do that or you're going to get get up and you're going to rock and roll. Well, how many and I think of pageants, women that came in second, Mm. didn't win, Mm. went on to have careers and are famous and have a known name, whereas the winners, nobody knows, nobody remembers them. The, the last competition I was in, that was the exact case. All the winners mm-hmm. from the past, you didn't hear of. All the runner-ups were the top leaders in the industry. Um, I have this <laughs> saying that I always say, and it's one of my most quoted ones. Um, no matter what you ask for, you will be shown, if not proven, that you cannot have it. And it's how you respond to that emotionally that determines if and when you get it. And that's what it is. When it, the door closes, people will shut you down. People will say stuff to you. But it's when you hold tight and know the outcome is when you get it. And, and your confidence level determines how soon you're going to get it. But what you were just saying reminds me of something, too. Will Smith um, periodically does uh, selfie videos. that I, I, I think he's basically just trying to encourage people uh, by sharing his story. And this one video he did... I think it was four years ago. Um, he was driving in his car. I've seen the video. And he's talking about failure. Failure that people incur, uh, encounter as they're trying to get somewhere, build something, whatever. And, and he made a really interesting point. He said, there isn't a single successful person anywhere in the world who hasn't failed more often than they succeeded. How many millionaires, you know, have gone broke three, four, five times? Mm-hmm. But kept going. I don't think I would have had the goal to do that. But one of the things I just made a conscious decision not to do when I started the gardening business was I didn't network. I didn't go talk to other people in the business. Um, primarily because I didn't want anybody to tell me I couldn't do it, that it wouldn't work. I heard from different people, I don't know how you do that. You know, I don't know how you do as much as you do, but I didn't want to have people telling me, oh, it won't. You know, I didn't even want to encounter anybody that might tell me you can't do that. It won't work. You won't make a success of it. There isn't enough customer base, whatever. It's like, no, I'm just I'm just going for it. I think that's beautiful right there. You're just going for it. And I love that because there's going to be people who t- who have their opinion. But let's remember, y'all, an opinion is from simply the perception of another human. They only have their perception, right? That that becomes our discernment. Or are we going to buy it as our truth just because that's their truth? It's It's a choice we have to whether or not we want to accept somebody else's truth as being our own. Remove them from the equation and you end up with you and God's source. And that opinion... You just manifested. So it has even it has even less weight, kind of, because it's like, that's just something that happened as a result of me being negative yesterday. It ain't real. You know, so if you want to <laughs> dive deeper, if, if you want to dive, that's why I, I like to attack the core of things that way it sticks. Um, I, I want to get, we touched, on, we touched on something earlier. I want to try to circle back to it because I'm having trouble figuring it out in my head, because, mainly because we're having such other great conversation. But we, we tied in courage with blind faith. 
And now I'm trying, for some reason, when I think blind faith, I'm piecing in intuition. Because you, when you go into blind faith, it's kind of like you're, you're trusting that your intuition was right or that it's going to lead you to wrong. I'm having trouble with the next step. Can anyone place them together for me? Well, for me, it's what, what happens when I do that? What's the outcome? Do, am I getting what I want? You know, am I continuing to be led that this is shown that this is working? Um, and that's what keeps me going forward is that I've had the blind faith to do it and the phone's ringing. People want my services. Um, people are happy with the work we're doing. So I'm getting feedback from the universe um, that my choice was the right one. So is it accurate to say that? Because I said courage equals blind faith. I don't know if it's 100% accurate to say that courage equals blind faith in your intuition. Is that right or no? Is that, is that slightly off? Because you can, go into blind faith, you can go into blind faith and not use your intuition and make a stupid decision and end up screwed. So I'm like, it's, so then it's not necessary, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a good equation so I can, you know, potentially use it to help someone in the future. Maybe this might help. Um, I, I don't have the connection just yet, but let me throw another piece into the, into the soup, so to speak, and, and we'll see what bubbles to the top. When I think about my own experiences, learning to trust my own intuition, which were painful, by the way, um, I had a lot of instances where my intuition did not work out the way I, I thought it might work out and didn't even come close. And for a long time, I didn't understand why isn't my intuition as good as everybody else's, especially here on the podcast. I would interview all of these people who kept using their intu intuition. They used to have these wonderful results and I'd say, why don't I get that? And then I finally figured it out within the last year, actually. I finally understood what it was that made the difference. There's a difference between intuition when your vibe is up and intuition when your vibe is down. Now, I never thought about that before, but if you trust your intuition when your vibe is up, you're going to get really, really good results. If you trust your vibe, or trust your intuition when your vibe is down, you're going to get really lousy results. So if you want to try to tie that into the idea of courage, maybe courage has something to do with being intuitive when your vibe is up. When you say lousy results, do you mean like you're totally off, you didn't manifest what you wanted, or do you mean you manifested something bad? One or the other, or both. <laughs> Sometimes both, which made it even worse. <laughs> so it's basically saying in a low vibration, my intuition will lead me towards a future that's undesirable. Right. But high vibe intuition much more often leads me to the, the result that I'm looking for. It was crazy. We talked about this last week, but I didn't get that. I, I All right. I'm absorbing it. I have a question. Is it is it is it confusing? I always thought your intuition led you in a pot to in a positive direction well, no matter what. That's why it's a new take and I'm digesting it. Yeah, I love I love this. So when you're listening to your gut, is there any confusion? If there's any confusion, then get the hell away from it. Simple as that. Things that are things that are meant to be have no confusion within them. If there is confusion, it's usually because we are questioning it because we know to question it. That's in that the juice of it. But what you're asking about with courage. Courage is doing the thing your intuition's telling you to do. Okay, so it isn't necessary. You know, it, it's your intuition is your internal guidance system. 
It's your you, it's your GPS. Mm-hmm. And you have to be careful as you're talking about this. I'm thinking of some of my own experiences, intuition versus impulses, and well, like More codependent, yeah. addictive kind of impulses. Because I've done that. It's like, got an idea. It's like, oh, it gets me all excited, whatever. And it was not a good thing to do. Um, and it was based on something else, fear of being alone, um, not trusting. Um, and it was relationship uh, related. Um, so that what seemed like a brainstorm and a great idea and I'm all excited. Well, that was probably because my energy was low to begin with and I was looking to elevate my energy through somebody else or doing something that was not good for me. So you got to question what's my motivation here. I'm just clapping. Your agenda. What's your agenda, girl? Love that. That's it. Yeah. I'm serious. You got, it's all about looking inside of yourself and getting real, 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 real. Yeah. What I was going to throw on top of that, because for me, it's like, which voice is intuition and which one's me? And for usually the first one is intuition. Like when I see that Gucci bag for $1,200, I'm like, I need to have that. That's intuition. (laughs) (laughs) Realistically, if I got that bag and appreciated it, Universe will put the money right back in my account, 100%. Um, so that's my tuition. But the voice after that, well, maybe I should save that money. All those voices are me, another, you know, untethered soul type type of stuff. So, and it, that's how I kind of go with intuition. And, and, and Walt, you still get me. Like I'm like, I never ever even entertain the idea that my gut would steer me anywhere und- undesirable. Um, and so I'm just trying to figure out, like, when you say something or do something, how is it you identify intuition from Walt and slime trails and past, uh, you know, stuff like that. And maybe, you know, addictions or whatever. The way you use uh, the word me there, you said, is it, is it me or is it my intuition? Like the, this is a topic that we've discussed here on the show previously. You know, what is the role of the ego? What is an ego? Is the ego something to get out of our way? Is the ego something that causes issues for us and we need to get out of our ego space and into our true space and all that kind of thing? And, and the point that I, I keep coming back to is the origin of the word ego comes from the Latin meaning I. So the ego is me. So getting me out of my own way, that actually doesn't make sense to me. That's why I ended up on that, that, the track that I mentioned where I was trying to understand what's the difference between what, 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 when, when can I trust my intuition and when I can't trust it? And I realized after a lot of struggle and a lot of talking to people that I can trust it when my vibration is high and I can't trust it when my vibration is low, which makes a whole lot of sense because when my vibration is high, that's the time to ask for what I really want. When my vibration is low, look out if I ask for something. Because I'm going to get something that I don't like very much. <laughs> That's just the way the law of attraction works. So I think, I mean, I think what, when you describe intuition, I think what you're talking about is intuition in a high vibe space. You don't think of it as intuition in, when you're in a low vibe space. 
I don't know. You made me think back to my cop days. I'm chasing a guy down a dark alleyway. Yeah, I'm kind of scared. His gun's bigger than mine, and it's dark. And he turned the corner before me, and I don't see where he is. I'm in a shitty situation. I'm in a very low vibration, but I trust my intuition and make the move. Duck, dive, jump, whatever it is. And that's kind of uh, that's what so kind of got me through. You, were you in a low vibration? You, the situation could have been one that would make somebody feel low vibe, but were you feeling low vibe? I was in a state of paranoia. I mean, you have to be when you're chasing somebody like that. Okay. And I think that's a terrible, that's a low vibration. So I'm like, that's okay. why I'm like in my, in my, in that situation, I, I want to trust my gut to get me out of it basically. Um, and that's what worked. That's why I was like, man, I never even thought of my gut even being capable of taking me to a, to a different place. But as far as the intuition voice, for me, intuition would be that God source, that whisper, duck, go left. Um, not me or the ego. So I kind of separate three, I guess you could say. First one's God. You want that bag. You need that bag. That bag should be yours. <laughs> and the next one after that is probably me, the sensible one, saying, yeah, I probably shouldn't spend $1,200 on another bag. And then the ego steps in after that with all its bullshit. Oh, what about this? What about that? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I, I kind of like give them three in that situation. But, yeah, I'm still trying <laughs> to digest the whole low vibrational thing. You know, you said the – the three, me, myself, and I. <laughs> or the Holy Trinity. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I'll just throw this out there off topic. Everything has two sides. Every coin has a top and a bottom. Even the atom has an inside and out. You know, everything has these variables. Tall, short, fast, skinny, male, female, they come together. Except time. Time is the only one with three. Future, past, and present. So there is some kind of, with this Holy Trinity thing, that whole three numbers, it, it comes up in some really spooky situations when you think about it. But yeah, it's off time. That's, so that was, that's interesting, though. That was actually really cool. I kind of dig yeah. that. Time time is relative to, to how we want to value it, too. And that goes back to accepting yourself. And do you, you know, I love your asking about intuition because, oh man, I, I when I follow my ego, when I follow my ego instead of my intuition, I usually get myself in trouble. You That's know? the name of the game. So it's learning to discern the voice. And what's cool is it's a game. It's a game with our brain. It's a game. Start. It is. Yeah, it's such a game. You know, to start repatterning your brain and how that you're thinking, how that you're making your decisions and everything else, is it's, yeah, it's definitely possible to follow your gut with ease to me whenever i'm following my gut there's a peacefulness to it there's there's an ease to it there's a ease to the situation i'm not having to make it happen if i'm having to force that to happen the way i want it to happen i'm definitely going against the vibe going against it's low vibing and it's controlling and it's not letting go it's a whole bunch of stuff actually that go in that when you're when you're truly within your element with source energy there these things are coming up because it's just not there you know there's a there's a peacefulness like i said but there's the other thing too the idea that we're not our body we're not this this is an avatar this whole this what's funny is this whole body is beating my heart beats on its own i'm not having to remind it i'm not having yo wait uh, what the hell (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? Ah! Oh, Joe, breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> yeah, lungs. What's happening here? You're you're lagging. 
And yo, wait, what's this circulation thing happen? You know, do you feel me? Like we're not doing that. Our body does itself. The only thing that we think, and this is what's hilarious, we think we have control over is our brain. But we don't have control over that either. We don't have control <laughs> over much. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> the avatar? Where's the avatar? I don't see it. I'm the, that's an avatar. I'm just the, you know, we are so much bigger and so much grander and so much greater. Oh, your avatar. Just, okay, I got you. Yeah. Then, then just these, then just these bodies, just this existence. We are so much bigger and greater than. If we're tapped into so much, the bigger, greater than aspects of our divinity and, and what we really are, there's a peace and a flow and a grace to it that is not present when you are functioning from the level of your ego. Your ego's there to guide you. Yeah, don't do this, don't do that, you know, kind of thing. But the true essence of the self, of who we truly are, has nothing to do with this body that we're in or anything else. It has to cut. It just, it's about that love that's within our heart and how do we tap into that? And if you've ever got a question about what you're doing, mind and heart coherence and getting yourself in check with your heart will never guide you wrong. Love, it's love or fear, love or fear, love or fear. I was listening to someone this weekend and it was love or fear. That's all. It's one or the other. Everything boils down to that. Totally. And it does. And what, what other experiences have you guys had with, with your ego and your intuition and your... Well, actually, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of digesting what Neo said. And I'm realizing what I said about um, the way I understand now when to trust my intuition, when not to, works for me. But... The way that Neil expressed what he finds works for him works for him. And you kind of touched on it. You said, I don't remember the exact phrase, but I heard it in the, in the way you said it. You have to know yourself. So Neil knows himself well enough to know this is where I get my best signal from. This is the mm-hmm. signal I can trust. He calls it, maybe he calls it his God voice. He has whatever way he thinks of it. But the way he thinks of it is that's what works for him. Yeah. I have my way of what works for me. So what we're really talking about is, do you know what your own way of working with what you got is? Have you took the time out to find out? Yeah. It's different you for different people. Yeah. That's right. Now, it's also a challenge because it's going to be a little bit harder, perhaps, to model after somebody else. But by the same token, you can mo- try modeling after somebody and see if it works for you. If it doesn't, make an adjustment. The key word you said is see if it works for you. If mm. you have to test this stuff and determine what works and what doesn't, if you just yeah. go to work, come home, watch TV, take a shower, yeah. and the next day do the same thing again, you're not working on you. You're no, you're not. You've got to do stuff. I had Hello. a professor in um graduate school who used an analogy that has always stuck with me because it's a visual one. You go try on a coat, you know, off the rack, and it doesn't fit just right. You know, you need a coat, but it doesn't fit just right. Well, you have it tailored to fit you. The same with somebody else's experience. You like the result they got, but maybe just how they did it doesn't fit for you. So 
yeah, you try it on. That didn't work or that didn't feel right. You tweak it until it does feel right. And you're getting the result that you do want. And you've made it fit for you. It's just yours because that's what works for you. And there's an, there's an inevitable thing that goes along with this, which is if you do take the time to learn what works for you, you inevitably, this is not even avoidable in any stretch of the imagination, you inevitably end up connecting better to your internal being. That's the only place you're going to find the answer. hundred percent. They come hand in hand. There's, there's, you can't have one without the other. Right. I love that. I agree. It's a connection. It's a connection with that. It's sort of like trying, like somebody's lost weight and they're trying, they're telling you, I eat all the, this is how I do it. Mm-hmm. And, and to think that we're going to go, somebody else is going to come and do that exact thing and they're going to get the same exact results. It, but well, it can happen, but it, I, I wouldn't bank on it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, not with, not without some altering. You're right. Because yeah. I don't, that's what the beautiful uniqueness of, of all of us is. I mean, we all have this, this beautiful, unique being that gets to, to, to do it their own way. I love that malleable aspect to what we get to try. And I, and you're right. You better, you better absolutely look into every single thing we hear, everything. Be, was it be skeptical? Somebody was telling me be skeptical. Who said that? Be skeptical. We pretty much have oh, that most of my do. life, really. So <laughs> be, be skeptical, be skeptical of things. Do your own research. Check into mm-hmm. it. Like Neo said, see what works for you. Like Walt and Louise were saying, I agree with you guys. We have to see what, what works for us. And when you find out, that's when you've done the growth. Absolutely. That's where the growth is, right there. You, you identify. And doing if, the work. Even if you just identified one little piece, you grew that amount. That's right. Absolutely. You know and it. it. And it, it kind of circles right back to getting outside of your comfort zone. Especially, especially the people who think what we're talking about is all woo-woo and fairies and pixie dust is going to exactly require you getting out of your comfort zone to experience what we're talking about. Otherwise, enjoy the rat race. <laughs> we'll see you. We'll see you when you come around. You're going to come around. We'll, we'll see you there. Neil, I'd always had a, a, a motion I did whenever Walt would throw something back at me that I had pointed out to him. From a therapeutic point of view, it was one of these, you know, oh, kind of things like I can't get away with it myself because I didn't let him get away with it. Now he's throwing it back at me, and it's like you got to grow. That's called an accountability partner. Maybe we all have one one day. <laughs> you know, you have to be, you have to, okay, I love this. Well, Louise, do you guys, are you your, each other's accountability partner? 100%. Oh, I was Have you not yeah, heard I them mean, speak? I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's something we do consciously. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not like, it's not like we go out of our way to, to hold each other accountable. You just kind of do just because you're in a relationship and you're going to have two different viewpoints and that's going to create accountability. Well, and because we are willing to talk and yes. to say it, um, you know, we don't fight. I don't think, I don't know if we've ever had a fight. But no, we disagreed or, you know, somebody has said something that the other one didn't like. So my modus operandi is to go into usually the bedroom and shut the door and fume for a while. And then I'm like, okay, how do I tell him in a nice way 
that I didn't like what he said or how he said it or whatever, or my feelings are hurt. So instead of just sit, standing there, you know, continuing to escalate or whatever, or get personal about someone's behavior, you know, not a lot of couples attack each other instead of talking about the behavior. If you stick to the behavior, that can change. So it's figuring out, you know, having my feelings, acknowledging my feelings, and then how do I then present it? Basically holding him accountable. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm also holding myself accountable in that I'm speaking to my feelings and to my experience. Right on. I want to, can I, I'm going to throw something else at you. I was, I was doing a podcast yesterday. I'm doing one podcast a day. I had this great plan. Do one podcast a day. Get them all done before the summit, you know, before the next summit. And I realized that it's probably none of them are going to air until after the summit. <laughs> 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 but anyway, so um, the guy did the podcast. We, we have a very similar story. Both of our fathers, not really law of attraction, you know, woo-woo, uh, fairy pixie dust. Um, but... And so it was hard for us to try to instill it in them and talk to them about it, really. Hold a conversation more than 30 seconds. But he and I both hit the point. Our dad's experience, his dad had a heart attack, mine had a stroke. And that was when I was, I put it, you know how you say, you can't force the law of attraction on anybody. I put all that shit aside. We had a talk. (laughs) I'm forcing it on you, bro, because I love you that much. And that is the whole accountability partner aspect of it you know, between Walt and Luis, it's, I love you so much. I'm not going to let you go in that rabbit hole mentally. That's right. I love that. Snap out of it. I freaking had that. I have to actually, we had Joe and I had this conversation about accountability, about holding each other accountable with, with certain, with certain things. Like if he sees me making this decision, Hey, honey, I'll give you a for instance. We were going to get dinner the other night and I saw Starbucks and I really, I like every once in a blue moon. I like, I like blue moons because I also like cake pops and I'm like, Ooh, I want a cake pop because I'm hungry. All I want is to eat, but I'm looking at the cake pops and he's, he's like, no, you don't, honey. There you go. <laughs> no cake pop for Debbie. I don't know what a cake pop is now. I'm literally Google searching. <laughs> you don't. It's, oh, it's a cake, cake. or a popsicle. I yes, and frosted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a cake pop. Yeah. I it's, it was a type of it's just, you know, like two bites of cake instead of a whole whole cake or a whole piece. So clearly, you know, you're not enough of a sugar addict to understand exactly what this is. So it's, uh, I need to get out more. Hey, we we had dessert last night before dinner. That's the only way to have it. Why? Why hey, I even had one night I was made a chocolate cake before dinner. It got down. It smelled so good. I'm like, big piece of chocolate cake and a glass of milk. That was dinner. Oh. I'm a fan. Unless it's ice cream, then, I, you know. But anything else? <laughs> you, you draw a line? Okay. Yeah, I'll take the cold later. Okay. <laughs> and I and I would hate to fill up on like milkshakes. If I get a milkshake, it fills me up so much I don't want to eat. And I don't want to do that to my meal. I want to taste all that goodness in that plate. That's why I have the milkshake about two o'clock in the afternoon. Then I've worked <sighs> it off and I can have both. Yes. 
But you're right. There's sometimes it's like a chocolate ice cream soda or something, you know, around here, what do they call fribbles or uh-huh. a, the real thick <laughs> thing would taste really good, but it's too much. It's, it's just too much. Well, I didn't get my cake pop, so hey. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, that didn't happen because he held uh, you accountable. He held me accountable. But it's the biggest thing, and it's the biggest thing when you have support systems where you can actually say, you know, let's let's be there for each other so that we can grow together, so that we can be this together. It's just, I don't know. I, that's no. that's awesome. You know what's that's a really a great, probably the best accountability partner you can ever have. It's right here because you grab it all day anyway, and it's not going to slip. (laughs) It's not going to slip up. If you set the alert to go off every day at three, it's not going to forget. And when it talks back, you can't complain because you're the one who programmed it. (laughs) (laughs) There. You know. Well, you can't complain, but still. (laughs) Well, you know. Actually, you're right about that. I heard something earlier that we, Stacy's gonna, she's gonna go off grid and she's gonna be hiking and whatnot and no phone whatsoever. Really? No phone, no, yeah. Good for her. Good what for do you her. guys, two months, isn't that rad? Whoa. Wow. They should be, I think there should be an app called the accountability partner. Somebody make one, please. Oh, there are, <laughs> there, there are accountability apps. Yeah. Are there oh, really? yeah. oh, there are wow. a number of them. Yeah. You, and you can, you can almost use them any way you want to. A couple of them are, are so open-ended that literally you can use them any way you want to. Yeah. Anybody have a suggestion for a great reminder or accountability app? Put it in the chats, please. I will be downloading some stuff today. That would be rad. That would be totally cool. It would be. <laughs> we have, I'm looking. We have so. I love that. Well, well, they were, somebody was saying the more you pay attention to your feelings and self, the more intuitive with yourself, pay attention to your feelings and body and language. Yeah. Brain Tune into you. Brain Tune in. Tune muscle memory. And, and for Tune me, that's a long-term pro- project. That's not something that you, that I have been able to do quickly and easily at any one time. It's been an ongoing thing to just learn to trust my feelings. First of all, just even paying attention to the feelings. Just doing that's a victory. And then once I'm getting the feelings, being willing to stay in them, being willing to just stay in that that heart place rather than the brain place, because I'm good at the brain place. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She knows. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm really good at the brain place. Heart place is a little bit challenging for me. Left brain. No. In the spirit of the law of attraction, it's just like jogging. It's not like a black belt where you earn it, it's yours forever. It's like jogging. You have to work at it to be good at it. And, and, and it started, the second you start taking days off, the second you start to move further away from being good at it. Uh, so stay on top of it. But there's also a great payoff. Because the great payoff is that when you do stay with it, it gets better and better. And I, what I found is after time, I actually like the feelings. That was not something that I would have admitted to 20 years ago. In fact, I would have denied it. I would have said, yeah, I'm not really all that sure the feelings are worth anything to me. They're actually working against me. You did. <laughs> probably did. I probably did. I'm not surprised that, yeah. by that at all. But 
what I've since come to realize is that feeling is a lot of fun. Feeling I think that's really what the difference was. Right. That, that's where I made my biggest growth is when I realized this thing that I've been resisting all this time is actually a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Feelings are beautiful when you get them right. I'll just say it like mm-hmm. that. I could have probably worded that better, but you get the point. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, the more you do it, like anything else, eventually it becomes second nature. You don't have to think about doing mm-hmm. it. It happens more naturally. Um, and that's great because the old, you know, the negatives, God, they came, you know, split second. And the positives start to do that too. Again, rewiring the brain, flexing that muscle, um, that the, the healthy, the positive answers or ideas will come first as opposed to having to hunt for them. I was just realizing too, when, when you're not allowing the feelings, which is where I was at for quite some time, the nice feelings, they go away. The not so nice feelings, they stay in your body, which is really unfair. I mean, if you're going to be haunted by feelings, wouldn't it be more fair to be haunted by the good ones? But, oh, no, no, that's not the way it works. You get haunted by the ones that you haven't felt better than not good feelings, and then they kind of pile up over time, and then you say, oh, well, this is really miserable. Who wants to have feelings after all of this? But it's because you've been storing up all those negative feelings, and the, the positive feelings, they just went away real quick. So... It actually does pay to be in the feeling space because then you don't have all those negative feelings hanging over you all the time. I guess it makes sense that exorcists got more tickets sold than Casper the Friendly Ghost. (laughs) That's a good point there, Neo. I'll tell you what. It takes, it literally, it takes, it takes, uh, it takes, uh, how many positives? I think the 10 positives to undo a negative. So if, if you're putting, if you say something negative about yourself, then you need to say something positive about yourself ten times. It's actually only five, but I'm going to add five more just because we need it. <laughs> Sprinkle another one off for of me too. <laughs> uh, can we can we make it a baker's dozen? Walk the week. <laughs> All right. I don't care with that. That thirteenth one is a cake pop. <laughs> there it is. Hey, hey, to me, anything that increases the number of positives, I don't care how we get there. That's fine. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, well, hey, hang on. So he said no to the cake pop, but then brought me brought me caramel delight Girl Scout cookies. I'm like, <laughs> Cho, honey, I love you. Those were good too. Really, seriously, I love them. Just saying. We've got everyone thinking about that now. Girl Scout. Hey, I'm glad we had pumpkin pie for dessert. (laughs) No, seriously, I was cruising down the main street the other day, and, like, these people have, they have this child that's a Girl Scout on Main Street in Huntington Beach with, in their yard, a giant Girl Scout cookie entourage. Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Uh, oh, no. I got to work on that. In other words, driving by gives you sugar shock, is what you're saying. You're so or glad I got my treat. at least. Well, I'm really glad I got my treat too. Thank you. It says Facebook user, but hey, but it was actually yeah, it was really awesome. So thank you. Anyway, you guys have been a you guys have been a blast today. This has been fun. This has been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm always sad when you. the hour is over, but this is even sadder than usual because this has been so much fun. <laughs> it's good to see you both. Dig deep. I love it was it super. I'm. 
I love that you were on. Oh, thank you. Well, we may make it yes, more thank you permanent. We, we, we may have her back more often. How about that? I Twist my arm. That That's rock. enough. I think it would rock, too. No, <laughs> Neil okay. started something. <laughs> <laughs> and a good thing, too. So with that thought in mind, thank you to our live streamers. Thank you, guys. Thank you, podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.